everybody has an emotion of money in a different way and it starts with how you were raised because it's the first way we we learn about it right so how does your parents look at it your mother look at it then if you get in a relationship how is your partner raised in money and then if you get married well now you're blending that relationship with money with this relationship with money you know how many times we watch the the funny videos of the wife wants to buy something and the husband says no or it's the <laughs> husband that has the spending problem right and yep. the wife is saying no Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the eFormula podcast. Today we have an incredible, incredible guest in the house, Katie K Hello. in person in Miami. She always fly up and down. <laughs> Through Miami, <laughs> Through over Miami, Miami. But never stop by. But today we are blessed to have her in the house. With everything that you have done, I know we need like maybe 10 minutes for an introduction, but I try to do it in a short in a shorter time as much as possible. So Katie is a serial entrepreneur from Canada. She has built and exited 17 businesses as of recent Monday. update yeah. <laughs> from Monday. And I was, you know, I got the data earlier. And while doing that, she managed to also build other businesses that she's holding. She has held all throughout and find time on top of that to help other business owners, coach them through how they can build businesses that will make it easy for them to sell it eventually so i'm excited i know we're going to learn a lot me personally going to benefit from this conversation tremendously katie yes i know with all the accolades right just didn't get started overnight went through the process you started like in anything anybody have to start very mm -hmm. small mm -hmm. how was the story before from all of that got beginning. started from the beginning um yeah so i started entrepreneurism when i was 19 years old so i always say i'm an accidental entrepreneur i didn't want to be an entrepreneur I come from a family of business owners and for me as a kid I was used to having you know the parents that were always flying around and busy and, and oh, wow. doing that the life I'm doing now and so as a kid I was like oh I just want to be a teacher I just want to go to work come home Relax. like and yeah because as a kid like you know my parents you know it's, it's not something that they did wrong it's just you always want what you don't have especially as a kid right 100 percent. so i was very much going a different path and a different route and assuming that that's what i wanted and i was in my first year of university and came back home and accidentally started my first business wow and accidentally yeah it was, it was definitely an accident i was bartending and serving and so that was like my job to help pay for my college and university and I started selling vapes and CBDs and I started selling them at a little farmer's booth market on Saturdays. Wow, vapes and CBD. Yeah, so that was the company and that was the industry. Um, but I didn't, you know, when I had that little booth, I, I started to quickly realize I was making just as much at that as I was, if not more, when I was bartending, right? Oh, wow. And so it was hard in the beginning because I'd bartend till two or three and then I'd have to be at the booth for like 7 a.m., right? Wow. And, and there's, of course, time travel and getting back and forth between those two jobs. So once I started to realize it, I also realized with bartending and serving, you know, you are your own entrepreneur. How good you are at selling something is, you know, how well your tip is going to be, uh, how 100%. high the bill is going to be. So I started to realize that I was probably 
supposed to go into entrepreneurism and really just took that one little stand, turned that into my first location. Wow. And then that's when we scaled. We had 12 locations globally, two wholesale companies, and yeah, I exited all that by the time I was 23. Wow, in four years. Yeah. Imagine like, you know, every single business owner, right? Like the first business is chances are that they're gonna fail at the first business and start over again yeah. and eventually get to success. You had like a, a one at bat and yeah. you had a home, home swing, home run. Yeah. What do you think contributed a lot into that? Is it timing? With yes, yeah. I actually just had this conversation with someone at lunch and I was saying that, um, you know, I, I'm humble enough to admit I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. I don't want to devalue, devalue my success and say that, you know, I didn't put the work in and I didn't sacrifice because I 100% did. Um, it took a lot of resilience to even just get in the door in the first place and, and the balls it took, I would say, to, to just go as heavy as I did into it. Um, the way I kind of looked at it was I'm 19 and then 20 and 21. I'm like, what's the worst case scenario? Like I bankrupt myself. Okay. I lose everything. Okay. Like I'm 20 something years old. I'll yeah. figure it out. Um, and I feel like when I'm coaching older entrepreneurs now, that's something that I try to instill in them. And even if they're 50 or 60, you know, like you still have a lot of life left. 100%. I would never bat for the fences like I did when I was 19 or tell someone to do that. But I think people don't take the action and don't take the moves because they live in this fear of comfortability. And that's why a lot of people stay in their jobs and they don't even go into entrepreneurism yep. in the first place, right? So, 100%. So for me, it was, just, it was just kind of going after it. But I do really feel it was right when they came out. So okay. it was the beginning of the industry. Um, we, we created our own flavors. So we really kind of ecosystem the business. So it wasn't just I had my stores and I was selling product. It was then I was creating the product. It was manufacturing. And then I was, yeah, taking the product and, you know, making sure all of my competition was selling my product. So mm. then I had a massive wholesale company and it didn't matter what you went into a variety store or a gas station. It was still my product. So now I'm owning the market without having my, it's just not physical stores, right? So mm. the stores turned into warehousing in the back. And then the front would be like the actual marketplace. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, like just talking through this, I know there's a lot of things that you have to learn along the way. Yeah. What do you think you have learned in your first business journey that you like wish you know when you first started that have contributed to the massive accelerated success that you had after that first exit? Um, I would definitely say so. I always say store three was a failure. Um, store three got replaced. Mm. But my first store... Um, my third store, sorry, when we got into it, it just started bleeding money. And I didn't know that my competitor was three doors down from me. Oh, wow. And within the day of opening it to like, I think it was like three weeks later or something, we had closed it down. I had subletted the unit out. I took all of the product and I moved it to a different location. So I really moved quickly. And I think mm. that that's really... You know, some people hold on to the dream or they, you know, they fight until the very last penny. And the second I saw a problem... Um, I acted on it. So I think that initial, you know, being able to pivot and pivot quickly, that lesson has helped me so much now. Wow. So, and I was really young when that happened, but I just knew like, okay, well I have two stores and I'm going to lose these two stores if I don't fix this. Fix this. So it was kind of going a little too fast too soon as well. Cause I was just mm. trying to go rapidly fast. And once I really zoned in and had like my system, then I was able to go fast because then I was opening like a store a month at that point. A store a month. Yeah, we'd be in and out. We'd open the store. We'd 
we'd get it all going and we just pick the geographical areas kind of based off of the wholesale companies as well and then we would just run with it so wow incredible yeah. so in the in the first four years right how many stores did you have when you was exiting 12 12 stores yeah. in total yeah. when was exiting wow, incredible. we were in thousands of locations but that would be the wholesale companies um but our physical stores were 12. Yeah. Nice. When you first started, was did you have like resources? Because you know a lot of entrepreneurs, when they first start, they were really low on resources, mm -hmm. and a lot of time, you know, finding expert advice, expert counsel, yeah. like somebody that wants your counsel right now, they yeah. will have to make a substantial investment that is worth your time. Yeah. For somebody that is just starting, like where you were on your first, second store failure, you no, know, you. You had like your own intuition that it's not going to work, but did you get to benefit from some other insight from resources that you have looked into? At the time, like I didn't have a mentor or a coach when I built that business. I always say I wish I did because I would have a hundred locations. Like I would have just kept going with it. Um, and the reason I exited was, I mean, now vaping is still around. We still have vaping, but at the time we didn't know if they were going to ban vaping or mm. if they were going to take the flavors away and only keep the tobacco flavors. And there were so many question marks. And so I really just had to be like, okay, I'm going to sell and I'm, I'm just oh. making the decision and ripping the bandaid off, um, and moving on to something else. And so I wish I kind of had a mentor then. I think I, I didn't even really kind of understand it. There's people in my life I could probably bounce ideas off of. Um, and then as far as like financial resources, when I started, I had nothing. So, you know, I know people get really stressed about, well, I don't have the money. I mean, I didn't let the bartending job go until I could sustain with this. And I didn't let this go until I could sustain with that. So mm. I really just worked it out by the numbers and you know, I was already a millionaire and I was still driving a Ford Focus. Wow. Like, so I, I don't care about those things in life. It's more about like, you know, watch the numbers. I don't want to lose anything. I want to make sure I keep growing. And when there was a problem, pivot really quickly so that I didn't lose it all. Wow. So as much as I take the risk, I take the strategic risk, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I'm always watching my back. Incredible. Yeah. So after that first exit, mm -hmm. you know, now we are up to 17 businesses. What are, like, we don't have enough time to go all through all the 17. No, we don't. But what are, like, the key business that, you know, you felt like, like there is a lot of lessons that you have learned that anybody thinking about starting a business can benefit from right now? Um, I think it's more general statements because I do do a lot of different businesses. So we can, okay. we can kind of have people benefit from that. Um, when I sold those businesses off is actually when I met one of my first coaches. Um, I had a coach in between and wasn't the right fit and didn't feel like I was, you know, getting what I wanted out of it. Um, and I was actually in a depression, if anything, because wow. I had all the money and then it, it was all gone. So mm. my purpose was kind of gone. And that's the person who actually convinced me to start mentoring people. So I always say coaching and mentoring, you know, it's the thing I make the least amount of money in, but I love it the most because it, it is like kind of a purposeful thing. And, and I get to make sure my clients are having success. There are people who will listen to this, who have had a lot of money, who will re resonate with that for sure. And for the people who are going to have success, you know, if, if they're trying to hit the bar of, I want the house or I want the car or I want this or the that, when you have it all, you're going to realize it, it didn't mean anything didn't at all. So it's good to like really get that core base solid. And then now like with everything that I'm doing, it's the lessons that I've learned is the zeros on the screen really don't change. There's a fear factor of, oh, if I go do a million dollar deal to a $10 million deal to a hundred million dollar deal that there's just so many factors in between. 
And of course, a bigger deal does have, you know, more factors, but it's, it, I always, I'm noticing it's a lot easier at this level. There's the less zero, people, is, it, it, right? So it, it's a smaller circle. It's, it's real people doing real business. And that is, that is a mental kind of shift you have to have as well. Like each level you go. And I think I'll have it again and again, personally, but yeah, it, it's, it's not this mental block. And the third thing would be emotion to money. So I really to money. don't have an emotion of money. So mm. everybody has an emotion of money in a different way. And it starts with how you were raised because it's the first way we, we learn 100%. about it. Right. So how does your parents look at it? Your mother look at it. Um, then if you get in a relationship, how is your partner raised in money? And then if you get married, well, now you're blending that relationship with money with this relationship with money. Um, you know, how many times we watch the, the funny videos of the wife wants to buy something and the husband says no, or it's the <laughs> husband that has the spending problem, right? And yep. the wife is saying no. And it, it is how we look and we think about money. And you have to kind of reset that belief system. Because mm. if you don't, you're always in fear. So whether it's I want to get a mentor and I have the money to get the mentor, but I just, it just scares me to make that to payment. Make that investment. Well, you need to work. That's an internal thing you need to work on. Right. And it's the same in your business. You know, if you want your business to grow and you have worked out that you need to spend $10,000 in marketing. Okay. But you just can't pull that trigger because you have this, Oh my God, I'm spending $10,000. $10, right. So I, I, that's why I don't have an attachment to it. It, it is kind of the Elon Musk mentality, which yeah. can be very scary as well 100%. because you can put it all on the oh. line and lose it all. Um, so I try to do it more calculated. I don't ever want to put it all on the line, but I do genuinely, you know, I make sure that what I'm spending, I will get an ROI on. And then it's just digits on a screen. Like uh -huh. it is the formula to get me to where I want to go. That's powerful. That's powerful. Like, even in my business, when I first started my agency in 2016, mm -hmm. I would do everything myself. It's like, okay, if we want to get a client ranking, this is the step that I need to go right. through. I'll go through everything yeah. all the time because I know that, okay, this person wanted me to outsource it to them, but they want $50 for instance, yeah. and I can take five minutes and get that done. Yeah. But those five minutes adds up mm -hmm. and you get your days Start with those five minutes, five dollar, like fifty dollars stuff. Yeah. And you, you're now gonna be able to go after the thousand dollars stuff. Yeah. But the minute I learned that, you can just it changes everything. The the quicker you invest the money into the business, the quicker you're gonna grow. Yeah. That's definitely a mindset sh shift that I have. And it I really have. is. It it's how we're raised. hundred percent. Like, I I always say um, I was raised like kind of two different ways where you know mom and dad one one was very like never really looked at the bills and always just kind of like it money's always flowing and we'll always like so there was always that mentality and then I, I my other parent was always very you know kind of watching everything so in a way I feel like I'm blended but I also had to reset it because if I'm especially when I first made money I was terrified I was like I'm gonna lose this if I don't pay attention and, and maybe that's what made me successful in the beginning because I was so conservative um, but then I started to realize, no, like there, there's certain things I do need to spend the money on and why 100%. I need to. And there's also the people who will just kind of throw money at anything and that's not good either. Right. So 
once you identify what your emotion of money is and it's not an argument to get into with your family by any means it's it's like okay well yeah mom is always like this and dad was always like this mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. okay i have these habits and if you're in a relationship you need to break it down with your partner and be like okay well they're raised like this maybe they're from a european family and they want to pay their mortgage off because that's like the european thing to do right well we all know no leverage you leverage your cash, home yeah. and invest the cash in your home right um, so it's just kind of funny. I mean, it could turn into relationship co coaching very quickly, but I'll work <laughs> with my clients and I'll be like, bring your husband on the phone or bring your wife on the phone because there's a reason they don't want to do something. Pull right? the trigger. Yep. Um, that's definitely so yeah. three, three powerful points there. Yeah. Any other thing that comes to mind? Those are like the biggest lessons. Um, the only other thing that I have definitely learned is we all have ideas as entrepreneurs, and I think that, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday um, at the speech, but I, I said the, the businesses that we talk about all the time that are never going to go anywhere, when you're a real estate agent, right, or you're in real estate, everybody says, well, we're never going to go out of business. Everyone's always going to need somewhere to live. Yeah. And I always take the business side to that, and I'm like, yeah, the plumbing business is never going to go anywhere. The, the painting business is never going to go anywhere because people are going to always fix things up, right? And so that was my second set of businesses was construction. And I think staying in my lane of those businesses that will never go away, there's millions and millions to continue being made in 100%. these little avenues versus, yeah, of course I have ideas and these, these crazy things I want to go accomplish, but, you know, to actually do the Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, the Warren Buffett, you know, it's, it's one in a gazillion. 100%. So I always say secure yourself first and whatever your lane is and make sure you have a good nest egg and, and you're where you want to be financially in life. And then you can do the odd unicorn project and bring those in, right? Because um, of course there's things I want to accomplish and do, but 100%. you have to secure yourself first. A hundred percent. I think I think I need to take this advice to heart because I think I started my unicorn run very early on. Yeah. You know, and I was like, like I needed a couple more years before I venture into those type of stuff. But, you know, yeah. great lesson. I'm going to take that myself and see how I can <laughs> re-strategize around it. Today, you know, like working, having built and exited 17 businesses, I'm sure there's a lot of different categories you got yourself into. Mm -hmm. And do you have a strategy? that you can share to anybody some people have funds and they just want to be able to align themselves with the business mm -hmm. right and they don't know okay they don't want to overbuy they don't want to you know like miscalculate the opportunity i know yeah. you have a famous concept of buying a house for a dollar yeah. buying a business, business for, a dollar. for a dollar yeah how like share that that concept because i believe that it's a very important aspect yeah. if you want to get into business i think um well i look at it so i love i have big real estate portfolio, but I always say real estate is very boring. Real estate is going to go after the market. Yours only have so much leverage. You, you can negotiate deals and yes, you can do very well in real estate, but you only have this, this window, right? You, you, buffer. you really can't go, it, you're not going to sell a house for 900 times what it's worth, right? 100%. It's never going to happen. So with business, the reason I like it is because it's more challenging. It requires you to sit down with the owner, um, and I always talk about like, you need to figure out why the owner wants to get rid of the business, why they want to sell the business. Um, and you can get really creative with how you make these offers. 
And the one that we had purchased for a dollar was literally, he just didn't have the capital to continue to bring the business back off the ground. Mm. So not only did we negotiate that deal for a dollar and came in and took over, which there was an IP there, he does own the patent on the product. We came in and funded to get the first order and to mm. order the first set of product to come over. Um, and I put interest on my money. So I could have just come in and been an investor, but let's be creative. He still needs our help to actually build and create that company. He does, he has an idea, but he's never run a business before. Right. So in that case, I know he has a full-time job, right? So mm. I know that he's secure in his home and his finances. I know that he just wants this, this business to thrive again. And as an investor, I can also come in and still make money on my money. A hundred percent. So I found a three-way win, 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 and purchased it for a dollar. That came after having probably two or three calls, very honest conversations about what he's expecting, what he's looking for, and a lot about who he is. Um, and I find like if you go into a business and let's say it's um, someone who's older and they're looking to retire, a lot of the time people don't even think to sell their business. That's another thing to bring up. So mm. you'd be surprised how many people, if you just walked in and asked, you know, what would you want to sell your business for? They haven't even thought, thought of, it. of it. Like they haven't. And everything I do, I've already thought about how I'm exiting it. Wow. Like, cause I always go back to front. So we reverse engineer everything in the sense of, mm. I don't know when the day is actually going to be, but I'm going to make sure I'm ready to sell. Wow. Cause even with the last ones that we just sold, I don't, I'm not mentally ready to sell those. I don't want to sell them, but I know that the time and the opportunity is now. So you have to click the button and you have to sell. Wow. This is, this is incredible. So understanding where the, like, who's the individual, what's mm -hmm. the, what's the main motivation it's and the what's point, the, pro yeah. like the pain points pretty much epic. One thing that you mentioned is like building to sell, right? I think there's might be some type of pride associated with some people. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is my baby. I'm not letting it go. Yeah. Have you ever had to deal, deal with someone like that? Or have you ever had that specific attachment to a business um, that you didn't want to let go? I didn't want to let any of my businesses go, but I know that I have to. <laughs> this is why I have coaches and mentors because they all sit me down and say, the time is now. Click the button, Katie. Click the Click button. The button. <laughs> Let's go out of the So thank God I have them because I wouldn't have done it. Wow. Um, and I know it's the right decision, but I, I just get very, it is my baby. Yes. It shouldn't Attachment, be, yeah. it shouldn't be. And I know I'm going to go build the next thing. It, it's not, and I have so many other kind of businesses going on. It's just, I get attached to my people. So I get attached to the culture that I create. I know my employees, I know their kids, I know, you know, birthdays, wow. like I know everything. So for me, I feel like, oh, I'm letting that go. In reality, mm. they're going to be in my they're life forever. In, yeah. But um that's where the attachment is for me it's not the business can sell and that's fine mm. um i think i create such a great culture that that makes me, that part of it makes me sad um and i'm not gonna go poach people and bring them to the next one right the, the yeah, yeah. owner is buying it for a reason yep. so the owner will take over for a reason um but yeah as far as like people not thinking to sell their businesses i think i don't know why i think they're just constantly thinking about how they can make more money and how they can grow their business that they ultimately don't think about the final end point. And a lot of people get to, you know, fifties and sixties and, and they think, Oh, you know, my son or my daughter's going to take over the company and they've gone off and become doctors and lawyers and, and they teachers and in... they don't have an interest in it. So they, it's almost as if that's their hedge in their head that like, okay, my kid will always take it over. 
and that's usually where the best deals start happening because once they realize no one else wants it, then they got to try to sell it and yeah. they haven't prepared themselves. They haven't audited their financials. They haven't got themselves ready. They haven't marketed it properly. Um, I mean, they're paying themselves a really high salary, which it, it it's a whole kind of mathematical equation of getting your business ready to be sold. Um, and, and sometimes it, the clocks keeps ticking. And so there's only so much leverage they have in negotiation that they have. And you can wow. usually go in and get really creative. And it's different. It's different with every business owner thinks their business is worth way more than what their business is worth, right? Always. 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 It's like, I don't have a $10 million business. Okay, let's sweat see the numbers, right? Kind of yeah. <laughs> trying to calculate the sweat and tears exactly. that went into it. And it's very similar. Like a lot of these tactics that I'm saying are very similar to, let's say you're going to buy a property. The difference is a property is going to go off of the square foot of the area that it's in. Yep. So you really can't wiggle much there. You have some negotiations. You could say, okay, like th this is cracked or this is this or this was that. And therefore I want X amount of dollars off. Right. And mm -hmm. you can go and you can use your tenacity to get a really good deal and you will make money with business. You can nitpick on thousands of factors, wow, right? Yeah. It could be the teams, the employees, um, the equipment that's there, the building that it's in. There's so many factors that you can now go in and nitpick at and bring that price back down to a realistic number. Once you get it to a realistic number, now you and the owner can sit down and do a deal, a deal. right? Wow. And nobody wants to take, here's the other difference. This is where people think they need tons of money to purchase businesses and they don't is like a property mm -hmm. where they're not going to pay tax when they sell this property, a business they're going to pay tax on, right? hundred percent. So with the business, you can then go in and say, okay, well, I know you're not going to want to take the tax hit on this all up front at once. So can I give you 10,000 down and give you payments for the next X amount of years? Mm. And you can start to get creative with the deals. And that's when it starts to, you really understand who the seller is and you know, in some cases, maybe they need cash right now. And okay, you can offer them 40,000 cash and they walk away and right walk now. Away. And now you just got a steal of a deal because you know that they're burning and they need cash. 100%. Or you say, okay, well, let's bring it down to a realistic number. And now you've got, basically, they're the bank and they're financing you. Mm. And you, so you can just do so many creative deals that it comes down to how good you are as an entrepreneur in creating that relationship and figuring out what's actually the value that's needed versus why I think real estate is boring, even though I do tons of it, um, versus you're kind of in a box and you can only go past this box, right? A hundred percent. So yeah. I, I know now in your, you have a coaching program where you teach people how to build a business to sell, right? Do you also teach, happen to have a specific program that you teach people how to buy businesses? So I just have, um, I don't even have a program. I just have one-on-one -on -one coaching. Oh, one-on-one -on -one coaching, yeah. not so a program. Not so even a program, yeah. They just come in with me and yeah, I can teach on either of those things. Um, my first session is always like, you know, tell me where you're at, let's be realistic, here we are, where do we wanna go? And then it's just like I do with my businesses. We go back to front. And if it's not realistic, I tell my clients it's not realistic. We can't jump from 100 grand to 10 million. It's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. right? So. Um, there's no pipe dreams. We, we sit down, we say, okay, this is where we are. Um, and my one client, she went from seven figures to multiple eight figures in less than wow. two years. 
Um, so I'm very much about the numbers and now I'm teaching her how to start doing mergers and acquisitions. And I'm like, we could go to the hundreds of millions if we wanted to and, nice. and just trying to like break them out of their comfort zone. But it's very strategic as far as it is one-on-one -on -one, it's direct with me. And that's why I can't take tons of people tons on because it's, obviously. it's, I want to eventually partner with most of my clients. If, if there's a way we can do business, cause then I know you've listened, you've implemented, it worked, you're successful. What else can we do together? I, I now know that you're someone I can rely on and trust. A hundred percent. So like uh, throughout this stuff, right? Like one of my thing is when I started getting some capital coming, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I was always interested in like venture capital, mm -hmm. right? So it's like a passion project for me. I want to see myself like, hey, giving money to businesses and being the guy behind this. It's like something that like I feel angel passionate. angel investing? Yeah. Okay. It's something that I feel passionate about. I want to see myself as that. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, your passion project is not the project that's going to make you money. Yeah. So I went in there and I just lose like an incredible amount of money in yeah. the businesses that I invested. And <laughs> Could have told you that was going to happen. <laughs> and I got out. So in your investment journey, did yeah. you have, have you ever like gotten into a project with pure passion and how did it work out with you? No, I'm really, um, it's going to make me sound like a robot. I am really emotionless when it comes to money investing. Um, so when I want to go do good in the world, I go do good in the world, whether that means donating, charity, church, whatever the case may be. Um, I would rather do that than mess with my money. Um, mm. so I keep it very, very strategic. I remove the emotion. I would say I'm more emotional when I go shopping, which I don't even really do like that. That would be an exchange of money that I would be like, oh, okay, I'll treat myself to something. But the other way around, I, I'm very safe. I make sure everything's collateralized. I make sure the worst, 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 worst case scenario, if it were to happen, I'm still safe. Mm. Um, and I think that comes from not being burned in investing, but just being burned along the way in different in life mm. and in business. And so my trust level, like I just don't trust anyone. We have to get to the level that we trust each other. Mm. And so it's some people are like, I don't know, she has a black heart and she, she doesn't trust anyone and that's okay too. But it's for a good reason that 100%. protects me, that protects my employee, that protects everyone behind me, 100%. right? So I'm not, to be the leader, I have to wear that hat, so. Interesting. Yeah. So did you have like an incident that happened? Sounds like you have a really, a, like an incident that really impacted you in so many ways. Um, what type of lesson have you learned from it? Yeah, I've had many, I've had severe health issues. I still deal with those to this day. Um, I've had like safety issues and things like that, that I've dealt with. And I think the lesson that I've learned from it is, you know, I used to tell myself it can never get worse than this. Like something really crazy would happen. And I would say, can't get worse than this. Can't get worse. And then it would, and then wow. it would, and then it would. And I think that, you know, I just find a way to keep like the rock in the tidal wave because mm. if so long as I am breathing, I cannot control everything else going on around me, the people around me, the actions people make. So I really just try to zone in on the fact that this is my rock. This is my safe place that I can always be here and let the chaos happen. Um, and that did build resilience for sure. 
Um, so when something really crazy happens now, I don't even blink. It's like, a, I assume it's going to happen. It, it's mm. probably where my expectation levels have and why I say I don't trust anyone. And like when it comes to investing, I'm so like careful. Um, and I think and it's not just me. I've also watched people go through it on their own. And so I've learned from, from them from to protect myself even well. more. So yeah, surrounding yourself with people and you know, people always ask, you know, how, how did you become successful or what's your, like people will be networking, right? And they'll be mm -hmm. like, well, what's the secret or what's this? And I always ask, what was your failure? Where did you fail? And then how did you get yourself out of it? It's like my favorite question to ask. Wow. It could be something silly as like something in their personal life. It could be something massive in their business, but I want to know why did they fail? How did they fail? And then how did they get themselves out of it wow, and mentally powerful. get yourself out of it? Cause that's the hardest part. Uh, that's powerful. You know, like, there is some events that's going to happen and you, you'd feel like it's the end of the world and mm -hmm. like there is no coming back from this moment. Like we was talking in the car on our way here. Yeah. It's like we don't in, even know what this outcome is going to be. The outcome of this specific event is going to be until later. Mm -hmm. We might think that it's the worst thing that would have ever happened to us and it turned out to be the greatest blessing. Yeah. You know, maybe like the lessons that you have had was like place at the early at early on in your career rather mm -hmm. than 10 years from now where I you have a lot that. of stakes a yeah. lot and a lot more at stake yeah so powerful stuff <laughs> being a busy woman right there is this like this question every successful it's very easy for a successful men to find a sick like a woman mm -hmm. to be in their life mm -hmm. but it's always known that for a successful woman it becomes a little bit more challenging to yeah. find somebody that, you know, that can relate to you in so many levels or that, I don't know exactly, but I know there's some struggles when yeah. it comes to dating as a yeah. successful woman entrepreneur. What type of a lesson have you, you know, learned from the journey and what are you currently doing to position yourself properly? I think women, especially women in business, anyone who's highly driven and in their career, I think you have to... Number one, like I just don't publicly show anything of my personal life. It's no families on there. Like it, I don't show anything and that's my personal choice. I believe it like can protect me and keep that off. And I think more women should consider doing that because mm. um, I think when the power dynamic is shifted, you know, it's, it's just naturally, I think naturally, and I don't mean this in an insult to men, I love men, but you know, women are usually mentally ahead than males, right? The women are smarter. Right? Data they, can show that. They figure things out a little bit sooner and, and that's fine. But then when you have a power dynamic added to it where someone else is making more money, you know, you have to have those conversations. Like you can't just not expect that it's not going to be a problem eventually because I think highly driven women, like there's nothing stopping me doing what I'm going to do in my life. Um, and so someone has to always support that. Right. Um, and I think the second you stop, the second you stop sacrificing as a woman in business or a female that's highly driven in corporate and whatever you do, the second you start sacrificing, whether it's, he didn't want you to go to the event. So you stayed home that weekend. You didn't do that. Like whatever it is, the second you make one sacrifice, it is a tipping tip, tipping 
tipping, tipping ticking <laughs> time bomb until it's going to be a ripple effect. And I just don't genuinely believe that we should have to sacrifice for anything. So I just don't. And anybody that comes around has to, you know, face the, like the situation as it is and the like framework that you have established around yourself. Yeah, like I think, I think you can build lives around each other, right? Like I think that there is, there is very much that, but there shouldn't be a guilt that just because it's a woman that's in business that we should suddenly switch. And to be honest with you, I'm usually on the men's side of this conversation because men or women are crazy. Like I feel worse. I know highly driven women and I know a lot of my good friends are going to yell at me when they listen to this, but they struggle to like meet people. And I understand that, but nine times out of 10, it's the women who are crazy. What we forget is when it, not crazy, I shouldn't say crazy, but they're, they're, they're trying to get after something that's not genuine, right? So when it's a woman who has the money and it's a woman who has the power, we forget that that's also something that we go through, mm. right? Like there's no one that's going to want to date me that isn't looking, thinking, well, one, her bank account, two, her power, three, the people she knows, there's always going to be an angle, right? And that's just natural when you first meet someone. And then you have to kind of break through that and, and actually build a relationship with someone. But I think, I also think women who are very driven and are very successful, they have to make time for it if it's something that they want. They have to build it into their schedule. A hundred percent. Because I think we just, we are tunnel visioned. We are on a mission to do one thing and one thing only. So if it is important, then you have to build time for it. Wow, powerful. You know, one of the constant, constant, like, conversation that you hear is that, you know, women that have that have established certain type of authority for themselves in the financial world or in the social world always look to be with people that are over like over them in some sense. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that type of no. you know I always say I don't care what, what anyone does, like what what their career is. I am such a human integrity based person, um, that it's the it's the human being. And I think that comes down to my emotion of money. Because nothing you could show me, nothing you, right? Let's say it's like nothing you could present to me, whether it's power, money, success, is going to be the thing that's going to me, attract me to the human being, right? So it's always going to be who they are, their integrity, their morals. Do they have the same belief system as me? And, and, and then it's do you support my ambition? Do you support my goals, right? Wow. Interesting. So for a woman listening to this podcast mm -hmm. that is thinking about, because in society you have like a, const, a constant battle, right? Look, yeah. establish yourself, get a husband, start a life, and you're going to be happy. And there is the other aspect of it, um, women empowerment, go and build your life. Mm -hmm. And if, if a man can, you know, if, and then a man is going to come to your life and you don't have to worry about the man living your life and you not having any option. What would you like? What would you say, what would you give us a, a woman that is out there that haven't started any of this journey? Like they just got out of college thinking about a career or getting mm. married. What would be? You have so much time. You have so much time. Like I just had this conversation the other day. It's also like women and women are supposed to have children and, and all these things. You have so much time. So I think... I think when you get out of college or you get out of university and it's happened, all my friends are married with children, you know, you adapt to it or you break out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I was getting out of college now, I would, 
I would delete every social media app and stay on one, one lane and just work because you have so much time. Even now, like if I want children, I still have another 10 years to have children. And everyone will always, are you having kids? Are you having kids? Are you having kids? I personally can't have kids. So I now know that science is going to come into that equation, right? So how many women think, you know, oh, they wanted to have a child. Okay, well, that, there's still other options. Like it is now normal to have children at 40 years old. 100%. Um, so I think they're always in a rush. And if they were in a rush with their dreams as much as they were in a rush for that, they would be 10 times more successful. And if they can just focus on that, they will go very far. Well, this is really powerful. Another notion is that girls are actively, like most, most girls are actively looking to align themselves with a successful man mm -hmm. and not thinking of themselves as having it's the possibility. they don't want to do to, the work. They are, yeah, they don't think of themselves <laughs> as having the possibility to be the successful, successful yeah. one either. They just yeah. want to run after experiences, the yachts, the Birkin bags, the trips. Yeah. And then what would happen, like they live that life for 10 years and they sit at like 30, 35, mm -hmm. not having any valuable skill that they can bring to the marketplace, a marketplace that is very ferocious. Yeah. And they haven't learned any, you know, human skills, like engagement, relationship skills, because they always thought that like, I'm beautiful, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And that's where depression starts and it's hard to get out of. Do you happen to have those conversations with people that you feel like, friends that you feel like yeah it's it's not in my circle but i definitely comment on it with friends um about other others that i watch or witness um one i think it comes down to there was something wrong internally in childhood or maybe a relationship in high school or college or something dimmed their light to make mm. them believe like i wasn't the best academic student but look at me now right so I think somewhere, some conversation kind of froze them and, you know, a lot of them feel like that's their only option, mm. right? It's the only option to live the life I want is to marry the successful man. To me, it would make me sick to my stomach. Like I'm the worst gift giver ever. You give me a gift, I'm awkward. I am like, I don't know what to do with this. Thank you. But I would rather just send you the money back because <laughs> I'm just so used to doing it all on my own. So it's like, that's just me on the other spectrum of it. But I think that they have something broke their spirit. And therefore, like, if I want to live this glamorous life, well, I got to go meet the man that's going to give me the glamorous life. And I'm sorry, but all these men that you go and meet who give you this glamorous life, the same way you met them is the same way they're going to leave. Wow. And then 100%. you'll be broken again. So something's now crushed your soul a second time. And yeah, like you said, you have no skills. You have no life outside of them. You have no business or a career that's going on and i just think that like no matter the relationship you should go into it finances should always be separate that's my belief system it doesn't matter if you're both winners it doesn't matter if one's higher than the other like it should just be separate a hundred percent and then that way there's never an argument like it's only about the relationship a hundred percent there is like data that shows that most marriages fall fell because of financial problems yeah I definitely deal with that with, you know, entrepreneurs and coaching them and, and witnessing. I've gotten deals and buildings and houses from divorces. Um, you know, marriage isn't easy. Relationships aren't easy. But at the same time, 
you know, we should all be smarter in preventing these things from happening. hundred Like you should be able to have a conversation about a prenup, even if you're not the breadwinner. Like it should be, should be about the relationship. It shouldn't be about the money. So. A hundred percent. I was actually, I know you like Macron. So I was like, I'm going to get Macron's. <laughs> and they would get it. See, that I'd be really good at. I'd be like, ooh, he's macaroons. I'll eat macaroons. You know, when she comes to the podcast, but this happened all of a sudden. Yeah. I didn't get it. The thought <laughs> was there. The thought was and then there. I didn't have to have the awkward moment. No, I would have eaten oh those. Oh my God. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I feel like we have really covered a lot of ground. Yeah. From business perspective and personal life perspective. Because... It's very easy. You, we often hear about the successful men, male, right? Talk, talking about their standards, the type of women they want in their life. Yeah. But I think this is an opportunity to also like get to see a perspective from a successful from a successful woman. What type of men do you want in your life? I just want to be happy. That's it. That's all I care about. I think, and I think it goes back to like that whole conversation we were saying of like. The financial and the monetary and it none of it means anything to me so I just want to be happy I want to have my foundation and being able to run and keep doing what I want to do and making sure that that person can continue to do what they want to do I don't want someone else to sacrifice for me just as much as they like vice versa vice versa so yeah I have my favorite saying that you know if they ask me what type of girl you're looking for I'm like I'm looking for a girl that is emotionally responsible of her own emotion yeah financially responsible of the, on the finance great. <laughs> it's called chat GPT it's AI it's AI it doesn't exist you, know, <laughs> you have to no. create that you know so I'm like yeah this is the woman that I want in my life so I think yeah. this is really dope we can keep this going as long as possible I know we have other things to get into so we're gonna wrap it up for your last word for somebody any entrepreneur in general thinking about starting the entrepreneurial journey what would you say is the best place to start with the current economy the current everything that is going on and all along with your experiences um like starting from scratch from, starting brand from new. scratch um i talked about it a little bit uh yesterday too but i think um one i think buying businesses is the, the time is now more than ever. I've enjoyed doing it for a while now, but um, the reason I say that is just where the financial world is. And I don't want everyone to hear this and say, okay, well, great, that means I need money. I think that if you came up with a plan and came up with maybe a deposit amount and how you were going to get that deposit amount, even if that meant bartending, doing all the things we did when we started, and have that little cash pot, it's the exact same thing as going and saying, I want to buy one rental property. I just think that your opportunity is better in business right now. Um, So I highly recommend that people do that. I also think that you should make a financial plan before doing it. I don't think we should just rip off the bandaid and go buy a business. So keep something within your wheelhouse. Like if you've Mm. always been in a specific industry or you liked a certain thing in school, like you know you kind of have a strength somewhere, Go try to look for a business in that strength that's, first. Mm. You can start to get, excuse me, into all different industries down the road. Um, but start with what you know. Start with a solid base. Yeah. Pretty much. Powerful. Yeah. Guys, there you have it. Are you a big reader? I am a little bit of a reader. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody starting up, what books have you read in your journey that you feel like have helped you or somebody that you have listened that have helped you a lot in your journey? I do listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. Um, 
but we were talking about this earlier, Art of War definitely made me a really good negotiator. I think it built resilience and made me a good negotiator. Um, and I think people should read it multiple times at oh, different parts of your life. It's one of my favorite books. It's a very powerful. One of, one of uh, my main, main quotes that I try to live by until today, he said, do not rely on the enemy not showing up. Rely on your own ability yeah. to, feed, to, to, to face the enemy. So good. Wow. Makes us all into like army people instantly. (laughs) (laughs) So it's definitely a great book. You should definitely read it. Katie, I came from Africa in 2013. No English, nothing until like eight years later, I was able to experience so many things that I did not even, I was beyond my belief. Yeah. And I owe most of it to books because I committed for a really long period of time. If that's where I'm going to get the knowledge, I'm going to do as much as I can to enjoy as much as possible. So I've been trying to average minimum 50 books a year. Yeah. I've read a lot of books and my books have been a private, like my prized possession. I never wanted to let somebody pick up my book. But since I started the podcast, I decided to do something special. Give every guest access to my library so they can pick up any book of their choice. So I have some books here. I'm excited. I would move the camera around a little bit so you can look through it and see. If any, catch your I have attention. To pick one. Oh, yes. I can actually read them from here. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Anything interesting? Ooh, I see loyalty, and I love loyalty. Nice. The higher loyalty. Higher loyalty. Is it a good book? Yeah, I haven't read that. I haven't read that yet. It's got new books in. The higher but loyalty. But sounds interesting. Paradox of choice. <laughs> Mark Mason wrote something really interesting about the you paradox two of the choice. the higher loyalties, though. Two? Yeah, you do. Look, the higher loyalty and the higher loyalty. Oh, really? Is higher it so? loyalty. It's meant to be. Then it's I can read be. it and you That's can it. read it. And I can read it. <laughs> so let's, let's, I'm going to grab it. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching till the very end. Let's go ahead and give a thank you to Katie and the comment section she's a busy busy individual running multiple businesses and she made the time to come and share all these valuable insights and knowledge with all of you guys so give a lot of thank you to her in the comment section i'm going to put her instagram and uh, in the questions as well in the description as well so you can follow her and learn more about everything that you do and potentially maybe get to the point where you can work with her and have her coach you so until the next one i'll see you guys later